The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That one verse in a nutshell is what Christmas is all about. That the Virgin Mary gave birth to a child, and uh, they called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That in itself is an amazing truth that ought to give us goosebumps, that ought to awaken our hearts and get us excited. And this morning as we uh, celebrate Christmas, uh, this last Sunday before Christmas 2020, my hope is that excitement is stirred within our hearts, that we recognize how magnificent of a thought that is, God with us. Are you excited for Christmas this year? Uh, <laughs> got some whoop whoops on the front row. That's good. Uh, I do sense that there is a certain excitement this year. Uh, you know, it, it, it lacks some of the things that bring us so much joy, maybe the big gatherings and the, Chris, and the office parties and, and those things. But uh, we were walking down this, our street the other night, and almost every house on our block has Christmas lights up. And I don't think it's ever been that way. In fact, uh, we have a street that we like to drive to in which the houses are all decked out in lights. And, uh, and I mean, to the point where people drive from miles around to see these lights. Because the light, the, not only are the, house covered in, the houses covered in lights, but then they're synchronized to the music. And they give you a radio station to turn in, and, and it's really quite the show. And so we went to see the, house, the street with all the lights on the other night, and there was cars bl- uh, lined up for two blocks. It's never been that way before. There's a certain excitement to this year's uh, Christmas that isn't necessarily always here. And I think that that is because in 2020, we long for some sort of, something to have joy in. And so this morning, this feeling of excitement, whether we feel it or not, but this idea of excitement and this idea of joy, I hope is stirred into our hearts because of this incredible idea of God with us. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. In a year in which we have needed the intervention and presence of God, we focus on the idea that God is with us. And in this one verse, Matthew 1, 23, we have the idea that Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. And that is a statement that would have knocked the socks off of any first century hearer. I don't know if it stirs up the same kind of emotion in us, but as we'll look out this morning, this is a statement that, not, that had tremendous meaning for the first century hearer but it should have tremendous meaning for us as well. However, I know that the idea of God with us doesn't always stir that kind of excitement and joy. And if you are like most people, you may believe that God exists, but to have God with you on an everyday basis has little actual practical meaning. You may even see it as unnecessary. And in 2020, when people have needed God so much, more people have lost their connection with God than those that have had their connection with God 
uh, strengthened. And so I hope this morning that God stirs within us so that we begin to realize that it doesn't have to be this way. That this idea of God with us really is a miracle, but only if we actually live it. And so my application question for all of us today will be this. To take seriously this question, are you living a God with us life? Are you living a God with us life? Let's look at this passage together, Matthew 1, 18 through 23. I love the interaction on the first row. Somebody get a hold of these kids uh, and uh, get them under control. But uh, maybe this is the kind of uh, excitement that ought to be stirred into our hearts. As I said, the passage that we're looking at this morning is Matthew 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 23. If you're here with us in person, it's, it's in your program. And uh, if, if you're joining us online, it'll be on the screen before you. This is Matthew 1, 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Father God, I pray that as we look at these scriptures, that you would be our teacher and that you would awaken our hearts to the miraculous truths that are presented in, the, in, this, in these verses. God, we pray that just as uh, the Holy Spirit gave new birth in the, into Mary's womb, we pray that you would give a spiritual new birth into our hearts, that we might be able to fully recognize who Jesus is and to worship him in the way that he is worthy to be worshipped. So come now, God, we ask you to come now and to meet with us and to inhabit our uh, praise that you would open up your scriptures to us that we might be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. What is described here in this passage is obviously a miracle. I've entitled this uh, sermon, A Christmas Miracle. And this is obviously a miracle, a virgin birth, God in human flesh. And somehow we have a sense that miracles are supposed to be a part of the Christmas story. I mean, one of our most famous, famous Christmas movies is Miracle on 34th Street. And sometimes we talk about it being a Christmas miracle. I think throughout this year that there has been this sense that we're hoping for a miracle drug to, to uh, help us with the coronavirus. But let's set aside the idea of a Hollywood miracle or even just 
a, a, a quick vaccine being approved. And let's look at the uh, birth of Jesus as a legitimate miracle. Because a miracle is something that happens outside of the normal laws of nature. In fact, if you were to give a definition to a miracle, you would say that it is an act of God where God works within creation in a way that can't be explained on the basis of normal scientific observation or thought. That doesn't say that science and faith are opposed to each other, as is oftentimes uh, thought in, in, um, in, the, in our world today. What it is saying is, God has, if he is truly the creator of the earth, if he has been the one that has set the laws of nature in motion, then it is quite reasonable for him to act outside of those laws of nature. Now, he does that only uh, periodically. In fact, if he did it frequently, the, the law of, there would be not be a law of nature. It wouldn't be the normal way of doing it. But God has, from time to time, for his glory, in his purposes, acted outside of what we would consider to be normal. Joseph was not a, uh, was not a scientist or a genealogist or a uh, guy, guy um, um, I'm sorry, uh, 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 what is, um, what's the, I'm, uh, gynecologist, there you go, thank you. Uh, he's not a gynecologist, uh, but he is no dummy. He's obviously way smarter than I am. Uh, and uh, he would know when uh, recognizing that Mary has uh, be become pregnant, that this is outside of the normal laws of nature. Like this is not how women conceive. And so being a man of integrity, he has in mind to divorce, or to divorce Mary. Now technically they're not married, but they're betrothed to be married. And in the first century culture, an engagement like this was so legally binding that it would need to uh, have a divorce for them to be separated. What choice does Joseph have? Obviously, his fiance has uh, been unfaithful to him. But as the text says, he does not want to expose her to public disgrace. He doesn't want to embarrass her. And so the only logical thing for him to do is to call off the marriage. Now, an angel, because this is in uh, Joseph's mind, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and explains what is really going on. He says that uh, the angel tells Joseph that the laws of nature are being broken and that Mary has really conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, usually we call this a virgin birth, but the miracle really happens at the point of conception. B the birth actually seems to be quite normal and human, that uh, Mary has a nine-month nine pregnancy. The, there is no indication that, there, that Mary is born without the normal pain of childbearing. There's probably a lot of blood. There's probably a concern that, the, that there would be infection being born in this manger. But, uh, but the miracle happens at the point of conception. And so in this passage, we have described a miracle. 
It is a miracle that is both physical and spiritual. There are two kinds of miracles, and, and, this, and both are seen in this passage. And so we want to look at both this morning. There are physical miracles and spiritual miracles. The first miracle is what we've already mentioned, the physical nature of the virgin conception. Physical uh, miracles are what we normally think of when we uh, think of miracles. Someone being healed of a disease or an illness. Some, uh, someone, uh, God changing a situation in which there is no logical explanation. This is a physical miracle. I believe in miracles. There are many today in this world that don't believe in miracles. But, I've, uh, but I know enough people that have been healed of a disease or something has happened in their life in which there is no rational explanation. I believe in miracles. In fact, we as a church are praying uh, for Shizuka Mitsuhashi right now that God would work a miracle in her life. Like, that would be a legit miracle if she uh, is healed and regains health because the, because the doctors have said there is no more hope. And, uh, and, uh, and in fact... Uh, she was on the doorstep within hours of uh, thinking that her life would be over. We're praying for a miracle. God can do these kind of things. He doesn't always, but God can do miracles. And the miracle described in this uh, story is for sure a miracle because I don't think there's any bit time before this when a woman has claimed to be pregnant and has not been with a man and I don't think that's ever happened since. This is the only time in human history that anyone has uh, claimed this. And you would expect attitudes in the first century to be the same as you and I would have if someone claimed this today. A lot of skepticism. Joseph doesn't believe it unless an angel appears to him. And I'm sure that most people would not believe that this was valid that this was a reasonable explanation. And so what evidence might we have if we were to just simply look at this from a scientific or a historical perspective? Is there any evidence that would say that this could have actually happened? I think the one evidence that we could think of is that of history, uh, is a historical argument. The fact that the virgin birth is so unbelievable and so outrageous might just be the evidence that it could have actually taken place in history. All the first century believers spoke of the virgin birth uh, as if it actually happened. But if it didn't happen, why would they make up such a story? Think about this with me for a moment. In the first century, if you wanted to stop a movement at the very starting point, you would think of this kind of crazy story. Nobody is going to believe you. In fact, if you want to invent a hero for society, you are not going to start with an illegitimate birth. And that's how they would have thought of it. Especially in the first century. If someone was born out of wedlock, they were on the outskirts of society their whole lives. Now, thank God it's not that way today. But in, the first, but in the first century, this is the way it would have been. Jesus would have never been accepted into, into normal society if, the, if uh, he was born uh, in an, what would have been considered an out-of-wedlock, illegitimate c- 
uh, birth. One historian says it this way, why would early Christians, members of an an evangelistic religious group, create so many problems for themselves and open wide the door to the charge of illegitimacy by inventing the idea that Jesus was born of a virgin? And the easy answer to that question is they wouldn't. No one would make this up. It's too outrageous. It's too ridiculous. The only way that you would tell this story over and over and over again is if you actually believed it or you actually knew it to be uh, true and and factual. The gospel writer Matthew here is an educated Roman official. He's He's no ignorant dummy, and yet he writes about it. The gospel writer Luke was a doctor, for goodness sake. Now, he didn't have all the scientific knowledge that we have today, but he would have known that this is an impossibility, and yet he writes about it as if it's history and fact. This is what is being described here. Quite, uh, is, it is quite reasonable for us to come to the conclusion that Mary actually conceived in this way. It is, it's outside of the normal laws of, of nature, but if God exists and he has created the laws of nature— it is reasonable to conclude that, it, that Jesus was conceived in this way. This is a physical miracle. But the bigger miracle, and now this is where we want to turn now, is the spiritual side. There are two types of miracles. There is the physical miracle, but there is also a spiritual miracle. And the spiritual miracle is found in the verse that I quoted us at the beginning, the, in the idea that God is with us. God with us is a miracle, but only if we actually live it. And so my question for us today is, are you living a God with us life? The idea of a God, uh, the idea of God with us probably does not stun us as much as it should. The first century person, this idea would feel so significant In fact, if you look at the Old Testament stories for a moment, anyone who ever drew near to God throughout history up until this point is almost paralyzed with fear, filled with dread and terror. Abraham appears, uh, God appears to Abraham as a smoking furnace, to Israel as a pillar of fire, to Job as a hurricane or a tornado. When Moses asked to see the face of God, God said, no one can see my face and and live. And so he almost makes a compromise with with Moses. He says, "I I will pass in front of you as you hide yourself between the cleft of a rock and, and you'll see my back for no one can see my face and live. And yet after uh, God passes in front of Moses, he comes down off Mount Sinai, having received the Ten Commandments. And and it says that the people were filled with terror because his face shone with the glory of the Lord. He had only seen the backside of God. And if Moses would be here today and he would hear this idea of God with us, I think he would be stunned. In fact, I hope that uh, he would be able to stir within us some of the excitement that I think we ought to have about this idea as well. He would say, do you know what this means? This is the very thing that I was denied. This means that, the, that through Jesus Christ, you can meet God. You can know him personally and without terror. 
He can come into your life. You see, Moses would have been stunned, and I hope that God uh, stirs within our hearts to recognize that this idea of a relationship with God is an incredible thought. In fact, this is the whole miracle behind Christmas that we celebrate every year, that God has come to this earth in the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, but the miracle does not end in the manger. It's a spiritual miracle that can continue to happen over and over and over again in our lives when God comes into our lives and we live a God-with-us life. You see, the Christmas story is a miracle because God showed up in Jesus Christ, not as a pillar of fire, not as a tornado, but as a little tiny baby. Have you ever thought about that? A little tiny baby. All the power and the magnificence of God. God, uh, Jesus was not any less powerful or less magnificent in that moment, but he veiled himself in human flesh. Little babies are so cuddly. Just want to take them up in your arms, right? I'll never forget the moment I first held Dawson or first held Kinsey. And even to this day, I know coronavirus puts a big damper on this, but man, you just want to pick up the baby and, and hug them and cuddle them and love them, and, the, and, uh, and a baby will cling to you. A baby is so innocent. And because Jesus came in this way, it communicates that he did not come to bring fear this time, but to bring love. He did not come to bring judgment, to, but to bear it to pay the penalty for our sins, to take away the barrier between humanity and God so that we can be together with him. This is God with us. This is the Christmas miracle, the God of the universe opening up the way for us to have a real personal relationship with him. And so Jesus coming as God did not happen merely to let us know that God exists. It happened to bring him near so that we can be with him and he can be with us. Millions will sing this year, Jesus our Emmanuel, but will, but will they really be with him? Millions will claim that they know God, God exists, but do they live with him? Millions of people have been hoping that some sort of miracle happens for all the crazy things that we've experienced this past year. But do they really want God with them in their everyday lives? And so I ask you, how about you? Are you living with God? I'm here to proclaim to you today to the best of my ability, and I recognize, like, I don't grasp this to a full degree, but I want to just proclaim it and hope the power of God takes over. The great, great news of Christmas, that God with us is a miracle, but only if we actually live it are you living a God with us life. An early Christian, Athanasius, summed up what, is, what, God, with, what uh, God with us means. He said, God became what we are so that we might become what he is. You get that great quote? God became what we are in the human flesh so that we might become what he is. Not that we would become God, but that we might become 
like God, uh, full of love and joy and peace and mercy and compassion. When Jesus comes into this world, he brings righteousness and justice to a world that is full of hurt and injustice. He brings reconciliation to heal relationships between, between mankind and also between man and God to bring forgiveness, to cleanse our sins, guilt, and shame. God wants to come into our lives to meet us where we are at, but not to meet us there and leave us there. He wants to change us so that we are filled with love, peace, joy, and hope. And so how can we actually live with him? What does this mean for us? If you want God to come into your life, what, uh, what do you need to do to receive him? You know, I've thought about this. I always try to apply the sermon to my own life before I preach it. And I know I need to trust God with all parts of my life. There, there are areas of my life that I get anxious about, and I know that that's a sign that it's not fully in the Lord's hands. I prop things up as idols, and God has been convicting me to trust in Him with all parts of my life. How about you? What would a God life, God with you life mean for you? Maybe it simply means that you start having a relationship with God. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Him and asked Him to actually come into your life. Maybe it means that you start becoming more aware of His presence with you throughout the day. That most days you just kind of go through the motions and there's no real conscious awareness that God is with you each moment. And it is growing in that awareness. Maybe you start to read your Bible and pray or to come to church regularly or, or even to just simply ask God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And you pray that simple prayer. What would a God with you life mean for you today? You know, we've been referring to this as a COVID Christmas. I don't know if this will show up on the uh, uh, on your online service because of the piano equipment, but Christ our victor is delivered. A COVID Christmas. And, uh, and this week we were filled with uh, hope when we saw the first vaccines of uh, being delivered, and it gives us the hope that a better future is in ahead. But I just want to emphasize on this last Sunday of our COVID Christmas that the only thing that will really heal us inside and out, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, in our hearts, is if God comes into all parts of our lives. You know, there's an old Christmas tradition that uh, they used to put oranges in someone's stocking. Uh, I don't know, does anyone here put oranges in your stocking anymore? I think this tradition has sailed. It's out to sea. I don't, uh, uh, um, in fact, I don't dare do this in my own family because I know what my kids would say. Dad, I don't want an orange for Christmas. Uh, it's hard enough getting them to eat fruits and vegetables. But, uh, but in history, they, they used to give oranges, I think. In fact, I, I probably should have researched this a, l a little bit better. But I think this goes back to the original St. Nicholas who used to put gold coins in the in, uh the poor peasant's stockings uh, to help the children and their families. And this was a cheaper way of signifying the, gold, uh, the sack of gold coins. But uh, here's how I want to talk about an orange this morning. In an orange, there are obviously little slices, right? Some of these slices are 
bigger than others. And, uh, and I want to think of this uh, orange as I cut the peel off. I want us to think of the various, um, I'll get the peelings later, all right? Uh, I want to um, think of the various pieces of this orange as pieces of your life. Now, inside this orange, as I uh, get to the slices, there's going to be some slices that are larger than others. And there's certain things in your life that are uh, more important than you, or more important to you than others. Obviously, your family is probably one of the larger slices, and probably you, your work, and, and, uh, but maybe you've got hobbies or interests that are smaller slices. But all of these things are what make up who you are. And... Uh, and maybe for some of you, you'd say, oh, yeah, God is a very large slice of, of my life. It's a very important part of my life. And some, it's just God is just a little sliver in, uh, in our lives. But all of us have our lives made up with uh, bigger and smaller things. Now, as I was uh, thinking uh, about this idea of our lives being like an orange, I began to think of the idea of what would a God with us life look like? In fact, I think many people are uh, seeking to live a life that just has God be a part of it. But I think what God is hoping for, or God wants from us, is for God not to be a slice of the orange, but actually the whole peel. It's the covering over our lives. In fact, if we were to live lives of integrity and wholeness, it will be when God uh, is not a part of our lives, but is with us in all things. Many people have sliced God out of their lives completely. And some, they'll let God be over certain things. But maybe the most important things they feel like they need to take into their own hands. And I recognize that this, what I'm describing here is quite difficult. In fact, if you were to let God... Uh, be over the most important things, it has a kind of a disconcerting feeling because now all of a sudden you're trusting in the Lord with what feels to be the most valuable to you. You know, I thought of this illustration just uh, as our family was doing family devotions one night and uh, it stuck with me for some reason because I have been trying to think of what if God were over all of my life? really a God-with-me life. And it is the idea of trusting in the Lord that God will protect me, that God will protect the most important things in my life, my family, uh, the things that are most valuable to me. But that's hard. It's not easy, but this is actually what God has created us for. In fact, if we are to live a life of integrity and wholeness, it will be to let God come into every part of our lives. And that is the joy of Christmas. In fact, it's a Christmas miracle that God could come into our lives and be over all of us to provide us with protection and love. But for us to receive the gift of Christmas, it must mean that we must receive God into our lives. What would it mean for you to live a God with us life. I challenge you to take a step of faith today and to receive him more and more into your own life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can gather together and we can uh, celebrate the coming of your son, Jesus.
and we recognize the joyous truths that are here in this gospel message. But God, it, it is not always easy to take a step of faith. And I pray that you would help us to embrace the life that you would have for us. God, help us to move closer to you, to live that God with us life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone.